Hello and welcome to Let Them Eat Cake. This will be for episode 28 and later on episode 29, we speak to uh, Emma Malone Lord, who is a corporal in the US Army in the Patriot Missile Defense Systems. She was the subject of one of the Go Army calling ads from 2021. We go into how her life was affected by the ad, how she dealt with the higher-ups in the Army during the ad how the army dealt with the ad and how she sort of was impacted through her her career within the army both uh internally and externally uh so it, it's a very interesting conversation and then for the next episode john will explain that uh, i, sh I should first... say that she did get married the artist formerly known as emma malone lord <laughs> corporal emma malone lord episode 29 will be about what's called SHARP in the military. It's sexual harassment, assault response and prevention. This is one of the main issues uh, affecting militaries globally. Like for example, Israel, one of the main factors for them not wanting to do conscription anymore is because of sexual assault in the military. Uh, Emma is uh, potentially going to become a lawyer in this field. So we get into a lot of the things that go wrong with the challenges on how it works because it's it's different from branch to branch. So there's no communication on how these things have to be handled across branches, which is preventing any justice from happening across branches. Not preventing any. I mean, obviously, it's, I'm just saying more things fall through the cracks between branches than should. Yeah. So after about five days, part two will come out. So before we do that, we can get into some headlines. And let's start with Jack here. Um, Supreme Court uh, sided with black voters in Alabama over a redistricting map that ruled that uh, black Americans in Alabama were being discriminated against through the congressional map. Uh, the Supreme Court ruled 5-4 in favor of the, of the challenge, which is forcing Alabama to redraw their congressional map, giving black voters in that area two representatives potentially uh, as opposed to one considering that the considering that the population of Alabama is around 25% black it was uh, ruled unconstitutional I believe and a violation of the Voting Rights Act and this also has a potential of uh, impacting up to four other states on top of Alabama which is pretty huge there's also coming court cases from South Carolina, which has been accused of doing the same thing. So this is all very interesting and could drastically change a lot in American politics with the upcoming presidential election. So this is, this is basically going into the gerrymandering thing, which Republicans use constantly to redraw maps and secure their majority in the uh, Senate and the Congressional House. So very interesting. Uh, this is something to definitely watch because there are more uh, court cases coming up from the lower courts to the Supreme Court. Surprisingly, uh, Brett Kavanaugh sided with the Liberals on this one, while four of the six conservative justices uh, dissented against it. I was just looking up uh, the etymology of this word. Which one? Gerrymander. It comes from... It comes from... Elbridge Jerry, an American founding father, later vice president of the United States. Hmm. He signed a bill that redistrict Massachusetts on the benefit of the Democratic Republican Party. 
Uh, Interesting. The Boston, the this is crazy. One of the one of the controlled districts in the Boston area was said to resemble the mythological salamander. This was the woke of the time, you know. Where it's just like <laughs> a made-up word that they use. This is cultural Marxism. They always make up these words. For some reason, we still use it today to say gerrymander. Um, honestly, I could have lived without knowing any of that. Um, so the the other uh, the other states, I think I mentioned South Carolina, but Louisiana and Texas are also potentially going to be impacted by this as well because there are court cases coming through from those states as well. So uh, definitely something to keep an eye on. Uh, but yeah. So while on America, I know Ace is going to cover Ukraine when he gets to him, but while in America, so uh, the Human Rights Campaign, which is like a really, really old LGBT activist group. We're talking like AIDS crisis, old, like uh, 1970 at least. Uh, so they issued a state of emergency and um, it's it's the first time it's ever issued a state of emergency and it's, it's the first time it's issued uh, a state of emergency in its 40 years history, and it comes after 75 anti-LGBT2 L75. Did you see Trudeau, Trudeau not able to say LGBTQ today? Or I sent it to you. He kept trying to say the letters. It's so hard to say it. That's why it's... What is so, it? The 2SL LGBT something? I, th I, I think that's because he uses the extended acronym. Yeah, if everyone just said LGBT plus, yeah. it's, it's problem solved. <laughs> um... 75 so over 75 anti-lgbtq bills have been signed into law and uh not all of those are republican bills by the way so just keep that in mind so this state of emergency correlates with uh i don't know how we want to frame this um because technically for a terrorist attack there has to be like property value or people actually have to die but a terrorist group assaulting people because some of these guys are affiliated with actual terrorist groups, even though this was basically, basically they've all filtered into the Proud Boys at this point. But there was uh, basically a riot. It was more of a brawl during a protest in Southern California in Glendale. And all it was is to decide whether a school, all it was was to decide if a school district in Southern California would recognize Pride Month. That's it. Just one school recognizing the month being Pride Month caused this, uh, basically this brawl to come out because agitators came. This is like the same place where they burned the Pride flag that was property of the school. But now we're seeing the disinformation cam campaigns being like burning an American flag is a protected right. Burning a Pride flag is a hate crime, which isn't true. If you burn a school's American flag, you will also... Be charged with the crime you cannot just because burn it's other destroying property yeah. yeah you can buy your own pride flag and burn it yeah. that's totally fine it's going to offend people just like burning an american flag offends mm -hmm. people but if you buy it just like those nikes you set on fire when nike went woke it's it's your protected property so i guess we can transition to ukraine by saying speaking of property destruction there's been significant <laughs> property destruction in ukraine yeah, yeah. So <laughs> we're we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna start this out with talking about the Nova Kakova Dam in um uh, southeastern Ukraine. And so just just to put it to scale for some people, right? This this dam is about like thirty meters tall, 
and about a kilometer wide. So for the Americans, it's, it's about 100 feet tall, and about a mile wide, right? And so what happened is about two days ago, two or three days ago, the dam broke and it let in a shitload of water, like 18 cubic kilometers of water. For our American viewers, that dam that is uh, built along the Dnipro River is holding back about as much reservoir water as the Great Salt Lake uh, River in Utah. So that, that's the type of like uh, explosion level of flooding that we're dealing with here. And um, basically there's the, the whole uh, crux of the debate is who did it and why. So there, there's a couple main theories we'll get into here. We're going to get into what the Russians think happened. They think that Ukraine did it either by launching artillery attacks on it or sabotage or whatever. It seems extremely unlikely, given that the dam is in a Russian-controlled area. That is a very unlikely scenario. Ukraine goes right back and claims that Russia did it. It's in their control. Uh, and a lot of evidence is pointing towards an explosion within the dam occurring. Right. So whether or not Russia placed explosives there or simply allowed, mind you, this dam is very old. Okay. This dam was built in 1956 during like the Soviet era. So either, you know, Ukraine seems to think that Russia may have placed some explosives in the dam, which caused it to break. Others point to a lot of just, it could be that the dam just, just broke. And uh, there, there's also those who believe that that it Russia or who, the, Russia being like the party that controls the dam at this point in time did this because they want to subvert the Ukrainian um, counteroffensive, which is which is started officially at least as of today. This would kind of make a little bit more sense the way I see it. It, it would slow down. Some Ukrainian forces, obviously, if you if you just look up videos of this, the flooding is very severe. And uh, but at, at the same time, you know, some people may not be as persuaded to believe this because the flooding is also occurring in Russian controlled areas. There have also been videos showing that some Russian forces may have not been informed that Russia was attempting to sabotage the dam as they were just you see guys in Russian military uniform just being carried away by the flooding. They, they, they clearly had no preparations for this. So other, others say that Russia may have known that there was an issue with the dam internally, that they might have known that the structure was not going to hold up for much longer, given that uh, parts of the river reservoir in recent weeks had already like kind of been going above the dam. So some people believe that it may have just been negligence, but whether it was negligence from the Russians or it was like a purposeful malice or kind of no negligence, as I'm going to kind of put it here, where in which they kind of just thought that the, oh, well, if the dam explodes, it's not our problem. It'll be Ukraine's problem. It'll, it'll help slow down the counteroffensive. So if anything, it's good for us, right? I'm just kind of being a little animated there when I say that. We also have to be... be aware that Russia doesn't really care about soldiers' lives either. Russian soldiers being carried off is not like the biggest indicator that it's Ukraine because we know that Russia uses exactly. wave tactics. 
Exactly. And, and we know that Russia has no problem targeting this type of civilian infrastructure. We've seen it in Syria. We've seen it in Chechnya. We've seen it all throughout the Ukraine yeah. war. They have no issue just blowing up an apartment block. This isn't even the first time they've blown up a dam. Yeah. So whether whether they, they did it purposefully or they just kind of like, you know, winked at it and let it happen through negligence, uh, most of most of the theories seem to point that, that, that it was Russia's either doing or negligence that caused this dam to explode. Well, let, let's play a hypothetical. Let's say Ukraine did do it. Why? Why? Well, Russia seems to think it would help slow down their counteroffensive, like help uh, help with their counteroffensive somehow. Yeah, if because it wiped out defensive the, the, lines. Yeah, the, but at the same time, the flooding affects both Ukrainian and Russian-held areas. So it it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. You know, this wouldn't this wouldn't be a good military strategy for Ukraine, especially considering they've started their counteroffensive today. Now, some might come back and say, like, well, Ukraine starting its counteroffensive just a couple, like two or three days after the dam blew up seems kind of suspicious. I would argue back that they've been planning this for months and it's been delayed multiple times for different reasons, ranging from being able to acquire F-16s to possibly this. I think they just were going to do it regardless. The, the counteroffensive was going to happen one way or another. And... I don't think that they were waiting on this dam to explode. If, if anything, this is like, this is just something they're going to have to kind of be like, well, fuck, the dam exploded. Now we got to deal with that. Um, apparently, Zelensky said it was ecocide. Yeah, that, that would make a lot of sense. I mean. Oh, Greta Thunberg also said something. Let's let's look what, hang on, I want to see what she says. <laughs> there, are, there are videos of just like massive amounts of fish just fucking dried up just flopping around and whatnot you know there's there's a saying that goes you know a drought will scare you but a flood will kill you uh, this this is a good example of that a lot of these cities uh that, that are near the dam are almost completely underwater at this point um it also just wouldn't make sense on ukraine's part and this is kind of the angle that i see it from is that ukraine is still trying to um export agricultural goods despite the war right so for them to blow up a dam that is providing water to farmers in, in, in the dnipro river area of ukraine wouldn't make a lot of sense to me because they're, they're still trying to uphold that industry despite the war but them blowing up a dam would wouldn't make sense for that kind of relationship they have with agriculture right now, as far as I'm concerned. Because the, the other thing is that this isn't the, this isn't like the Nord Stream pipeline, right? Like the the Nord Stream is one thing, but blowing up a dam is a completely other thing. Especially inside Ukraine, it seems a bit far fetched to jump I mean, straight I, I, to think, Ukraine. I, the thing that, that I that I that I do want to emphasize here is that. This area where the dam is is under Russian control. Like, this is part of the area that that Ukraine is trying to take back. So, you know, I, again, we don't know for sure what's what what caused the explosion of the dam, but Russian negligence or malice seems to be 
the main reason as far as I'm concerned. I mean, it's always one or the other. I, yeah. So I found the tweet by Greta. It says, this ecocide is a continuation of Russia's unprovoked full-scale invasion of Ukraine is yet another atrocity which leaves the world lost for words. Our eyes are once again on Russia who must be held accountable for their crimes. And then I was just laughing because Robert Patterson is, or Pattinson is trending. And you know, it's because that one old guy died who was like a nightmare person. Right? <laughs> so like people are like, oh, I thought it was this guy. Cause I even said this where I was like, I keep reading it as Robert Patterson. See, all it is is my dyslexic ass thought it said Robert Pattinson. Everyone has this phenomenon because that's imagine being so irrelevant that people read your name as somebody else. Okay. Anyway, oh, I, think, I think we're good. Yeah. So now uh, we're going to get into an interview with Emma, who it seems like everyone on the Republican side wants to blame for making the army gay and soft, <laughs> making the army soft. Uh, so. Uh, a lot of people, I just want to bring this up, a lot of people use this ad in a comparison to, like, for Russia. some reason, they show make it, Russia they look to Russia, super yeah. strong. But, like, they also do it with China. So uh, it's, it's also, super interesting. Uh, what's really funny about this is that, so they rebooted Be All You Can Be. So it's this. It's basically the same thing as the Russian ad, right? It's, like, a, it's the expected, like, manly ad, except it's obviously it's showing a large diversity group just saying, be all you can be, right? And it's all these people who are in the military just doing their job, right? And people are talking about how great this ad is compared to the the calling, right? But it's the same company. Same people. Because they, are, yeah. because they want a three-year contract for doing ads for the army. So the same people who are upset about the calling are now praising the exact same people for doing this ad, which That's is also funny. a diversity ad. You know, and it's and it's totally it's totally just as much about diversity as the calling ad campaign. But the calling is interesting because what they wanted to do, like, obviously, it wasn't targeting people at this level about to go into the military, like, obviously. Um, but basically, it was uh, they have they used to have like profiles for all these people. And like, even if you look at their press at the time, it says like Army's new campaign goes into the real lives of like, you know, soldiers and stuff like that. So the army had to scrap this entire campaign because of public outrage because Emma has two moms. We have a weapon more powerful than the British Empire. And that weapon is our refusal to bow to any order but our own, any institution but our own. Um, my name's Emma. I am the infamous soldier from Army's The Calling ad series. So actually an active duty soldier. I was an active duty soldier at the time. That's, so. that's actually what a lot of people were asking us. They wanted to know if you were still serving. Yeah, still in, still, still going strong. <laughs> Are you still doing um, the same job? Yeah, still in Patriot, still working. Wait, yeah, in, in what, the, the missile defense? Yeah, so the Patriot missile system is just a part of air defense because you've got Patriot, okay. SORAD, THAAD, all that sort of fun stuff. So 14 Echoes, 14 Tangos, 14 Hotels are all Patriot and I'm a 14 Hotel. So just one part of air defense. Let's get into how the army approached you for this ad. 
Yeah. So um, I was our, I was stationed in Korea. I was, um, oh, I had to be what? Like a newly promoted specialist. And I had only been in Korea for about a year. So not really experienced that much a big army. I was our boss rep for my unit at the time. And I had a meeting on Camp Humphreys in Korea. And I was stationed on Osan Air Base. So it was a bit of a bus ride. And my meeting like ended early or something. So I ended up just saying like, oh, you know, I'll just stay here waiting for the bus, like in the little MWR thing where our meeting had been. And I logged into my email and I had an email that was like one of those mass send out emails that they send out for like Thanksgiving or like when they want to do surveys on, I've gotten one about like sports bras for females in the military before, like just the things that they send out to everybody. Um, And it was asking about like, what your journey was to joining. And I thought, well, I have some spare time on my hands before I need to catch this bus. So I'll fill it out. Who knows what'll happen? So I spent like 30 minutes filling out this little survey talking about like my childhood and all that sort of fun stuff. And then yeah, I sent that up. I honest, I remember I couldn't put my phone number in because I had an international phone number. So I put my mom's phone number in. She got a phone call probably like a month later um, saying that AEMO, the Army Army Executive Marketing Office, was interested in talking to me. So she gave them my number and they finally got in contact with me. And then it was just a lot of Skype calls and interviews. We met with like animators. We met with the actual like AEMO crew. Met with a bunch of different people. And then they ran test groups and kind of like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like the reaction group. Like people That's who very like, interesting that they tested it beforehand. Yeah. Too. So they did that. And then they like narrowed it down further and further and further. So I want to say at the end, there was like seven of us. And there was the five main ones. And then the two alternates in case something had happened. Because this was also like, by the time that we got to the point where um, we were actually flying out to like film and everything COVID was like in full swing so they didn't know you know how easy it was going to be getting some of us there because that's, that's why I and, thought it was animated actually is just because they just didn't have people fly in to do the ads oh no we definitely it was, it was actually the start to be animated yeah it was actually pretty cool even that experience because like I mean yeah like we were locked down most of the people were coming from within the states it was me and one other guy who came from um Oconus and like for me, I'm from California and we were filming in a full blown like Hollywood studio that was maybe like an hour away from my house. So I got to come home early and see my family on leave, which I was super, super appreciative of. And like I realized how lucky I was to be able to do that. And then, um, yeah, we spent a week in, in this fancy, fancy studio <laughs> with these amazing directors and staff and like, it was such a 180 from normal army life. But um, yeah, we had like a recording studio in the back that we'd go into to do our voiceovers. And then they went through like about two of us a day in the main studio doing the actual like close up shot that you see in like the last five seconds, which you would not believe how easy it is to forget your own name on the billionth time of saying, I'm Corporal Emma Malone Lord, and I answered my calling. With the test groups, how did that whole process go and how did they actually sort of nail it down and why did did they tell you why they picked your one specifically out of all of the ones that were submitted? So we sent in a lot of pictures as part of the like vetting process, I guess. 
that also helped the animators because as they were vetting us, the animators were also drawing mock-ups to see like how we would look animated um, and like what style of animation they wanted to do. Because even like each five of our ads, they're all animated a little bit differently. Like the style is a little bit different in each of them. And it helped them like visualize the storyline, put together like a better storyboard. So I'm assuming, I don't know for sure, but I think that what they presented to the test groups was like our basic storyboards and like some of our pictures. Because by the time they got to the test groups, I want to say there was only 10 of us. I might be wrong on that, but they just said like people felt very connected to mine in the sense that they were talking about a subject the Army hadn't really talked about before. So people, I don't know, appreciated that, but. As you're filming and doing it before it comes out, how are you feeling about it? Um, I was super excited and I think I was a little bit nervous. I remember probably about a month before the ad came out, like I sat down with my moms and kind of talked about how crazy the whole thing had been, how crazy the whole experience was. And we all kind of had a moment where we said, you know, like what's going to happen if this goes south or like how are we going to support each other because as much as the ad is about me it's about them too they're a huge you know center point of it and so we were all kind of talking about like how are we going to support each other because like as much as we'd like to think that everybody's just going to be all rainbows and sunshine about this somebody's going to be mad about it and we didn't think it was going to be on the scale that it was but we knew somebody was going to be upset by it so um we kind of just like talked through you know like ignoring that kind of stuff and staying true to ourselves or whatever. And I had brought it up like briefly to my brigade PAO, basically saying like, hey, is there like a line of like what I can do, can't do, what I can say, can't say, just so that way, like if something happens, like I don't end up on like the front of some newspaper because I told somebody on the, like on the internet to shut up. <laughs> um, so I was a little bit nervous about it. But yeah, mostly excited. I think by that point, too, I was still so fresh to the army that like the fact that I had been chosen, I mean, it still is kind of wild that I've been chosen. But I was like, oh, my God, like, I get to represent this like huge, huge part of my livelihood and to this, you know, giant corporation, which is what the army is at the end of the day. Um and I thought that was so wild and so unique. It felt like my uh, main character moment in life. <laughs> so two-part question. Not necessarily two parts, but you can just, you know, answer it however you want. But uh, would you do it again? And also, is there anything that you would change about it? That's a rough one. I think it depends on the day. There's some days where I wake up and I have a conversation with somebody just at work or online or something where they tell me that I've opened their eyes up to a part of the world that they were not previously aware about. And there's days just like getting to lead my soldiers that I'm happy that I did that because it made me a more resilient person. And then there's days where I wake up and I'm just trying to look at the wedding photos that I posted on Instagram and somebody's telling me that I am a disgrace to the service. And I, two years later, still get messages, mostly on Facebook, and then a lot of comments on Instagram just saying that I should throw myself off a cliff, 
that I should shoot myself. Those are the days that I do regret it because as much as everybody says like, oh, you're in the military, be resilient. I'm still a human being. Um, And I think what's wild to me and the thing that really frustrated me is it opened my eyes up to how many people will sit there and do 22 push-ups a day or talk about veteran suicide rates or say, you know, like, oh, I love the military, like kneeling for the flag is disrespectful, but then come to a service member and be like, you know what, though, you should kill yourself because that that was not cool. And I'm so offended by it that it doesn't even matter that you're in the military. I don't want you alive, which was just so wild to me. Like everybody knows internet bullies exist, but to like realize it at that full of a scale was pretty traumatizing. Pretty much one of the <laughs> most targeted people at the time. Yeah, it was wild. <laughs> It's also kind of interesting because we've kind of discussed this a few times on the show, but it's it's almost the same sort of thing that's going on at the moment where it's just weaponized cognitive dissonance. They have this idea, but because this one aspect of this ad has offended their whatever sensibilities, I doubt there are any liberals complaining. And, and they're only offended targeting. because someone told them to be too. Yes, right. Well, it, it's come from the, sides, the media. Honestly. So the extreme liberal side was almost just as mad, though, because how dare the army use the sex couple? Yes, no, no, you're right, because that's that's originally where I heard about it, but I just tuned it out, was like Hassan and all of those guys. Yeah, because it had, I mean, like, when it came out, I think it was that year was the, I think it was the 10-year anniversary of Don't Ask, Don't Tell being repealed. So they were like, it hasn't even been like that long, you know, how dare you guys, there's still service members in service now who like had to hide their identities at the beginning of their service. And now you're just going to turn around and recruit people to the killing machine of America by using the same subtouple. So I just didn't pay attention to either side on the extreme because everybody just wanted to be mad. Millennials are just really triggered about Iraq still. So (laughs) that's the issue really. How soon when it came out did the dark realization come over you about what had happened? So that on its own was pretty weird because of the fact that I was in a complete opposite time zone. So I remember like showing it to everybody at work the day before it came out because we had gotten sent, we got to do like a whole like sneak preview thing with a bunch of higher ups in the army. And that was such a weird, I think it was like a Skype call that we did, which was such a surreal experience. It was like, all five of us, all five of our families, and then like a bunch of army people from Super High Up. And I was like, oh, okay, hi everybody. (laughs) This is my barracks room in Korea. But yeah, so I went into work, I showed everybody the video, and then I had already re-enlisted to come to Japan. And I was like a month out from that actual PCS. So I was starting to do my clearing and, you know, dealing with all that stuff you have to deal with when moving installations. I remember that I wasn't in my office as much and I came, I had something going on during the day one day where I was in my office and somebody had come up to me and said like, hey, like, are you doing okay? You're catching a little bit of heat. And I was like, oh yeah, you know, like just... 
I kind of brushed it off. I was like, oh yeah, I'm sure I am, whatever. Like, I don't care. I think I assumed that they meant by people in the unit or something. So I just didn't really pay much attention to it. I went to bed that night and I woke up in the morning and I was running late to an appointment that I had. So I was just like rushing, trying to get dressed, like jumping in the shower, putting my uniform on, like out the door. And I was checking my email. I was on a bus and it was from one of the AEMO directors saying like, hey, we need to talk to you as soon as we possibly can. Like there's a lot going on. We need to check in with you. And so I said, oh yeah, like I'm headed to my office right now or whatever. I get into my office, she calls me and she is the one who kind of was like, we're really sorry this is happening. We didn't expect it to be like this. If there is anything that we can do for you, like let us know. Um, kind of like goes through this whole rant of like how sorry everybody is. And I'm just like, oh, it's okay. Like I had looked at the YouTube like the night before and there was like maybe like 50 comments or so that were kind of mean, but I was like, oh, it's not that big of a deal. Like I got some thick skin. I've grown up with two moms for two decades. Like <laughs> this isn't anything brand new. I didn't think anything of it. I'm like, oh, it's fine. Yada, yada, yada. Don't worry about it. I go about my day and then I get a phone call from, um, one of my like middle school best friends who had said that he had Googled me because he saw my Instagram with the ad and then just saw every single news article that came up and like all the stuff that was being said and wanted to make sure I was okay. And then that's when I looked it up and saw just how bad I had gotten. And then quite ironically, it was the same thing when Senator Cruz said his whole little spiel about it. That one was a little bit more ironic. So every single year, Osan Air Base hosts a 24-hour ruck march in honor of fallen JTACs and TACPs because they have a pretty big like TACP and JTAC um, squadron out there. And I love participating in it. So I had done it the year before, and then that year I did it as well. And I made it until about like 2 a.m., and then it started raining, and I was like, I'm done. I'm over this. I've been walking. I think we did like 50 miles as a team. So I was like, that's good. I'm going to bed. And I passed out and I woke up in the morning and he had already tweeted his, you know, his little thing about it. And I just remember laughing so hard. And I remember talking to my brigade commander and laughing so hard about it because his response, I think was so poignant because he was like unrelated to anything. But Corporal Malone Lord just finished a 24-hour ruck march in honor of fallen tack peas. She's, you know, a strong soldier and a strong individual. <laughs> so I just remember laughing at, like, the humor of it, of, like, he could have chosen any other set of 24 hours to try to say that I'm emasculating besides the 24 hours that I was spending walking. <laughs> yeah, this was a wild it, one to me. Yeah, I mean, he is a clown. Insane. So. Who would you say not started it, but really pushed it over the edge? It was, from what I understand, it was different groups for different platforms. So the YouTube video had gotten posted on like a QAnon page, and then that's what sent everybody to it to comment on it. And then the video that Senator Cruz was responding to that had already been tweeted was from TikTok, and he had been posting a bunch of stuff on TikTok about the ad and like different edits of it and stuff. Um, so that just got pulled onto Twitter and then it blew up um, on the more conservative side of Twitter. And then 
that's how it came across Senator Cruz's desk, I'm assuming. And he decided to say his little piece about it. So to jump on the bandwagon. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that one was interesting. And then from there, I'd say it just kind of spread out. There's been a couple of really weird. I can't remember if um, the dude from Fox News that just got let go. Tucker Carlson. Tucker Carlson. There we go. He had a little rant about it too. I remember my commander showed me that one because he tells me to shut up and he calls me a spoiled brat. And he says, I need to stop talking about myself. That one was interesting. That's ironic. (laughs) (laughs) That one was interesting. I think that was about the same time as um, Senator Cruz's thing. And then there's a couple other weird ones. Sebastian Gorka did one on his, whatever that is, radio show um, about it. I'm not familiar with him. (laughs) This is how checked out I am from (laughs) this type of stuff. Like I could, when like I came like back into like American culture, folklore, I don't know what we would call it, (laughs) but like, I didn't know who Jordan Peterson was. Like, I didn't know who any of these like huge uh, people were at the time. I don't, I didn't know what Gamergate was. I wasn't sure what that was. I had to like rediscover everything for a while. That's why I didn't even see your ad at the time because I could care less at the time. Yeah. and like uh they also were just freaking out because they just did um the navy just did an ambassador who's a drag queen so now they're crying about that oh, right yeah. now yeah i saw that i really i don't so the interesting thing about this all has been that i joined the army because i very much so did not know what i wanted to do with my life um i wanted to be a veterinarian since i was a child i loved animals so i'd gone to davis because they're the number one animal science and veterinarian school in the U.S. And then about halfway into college, I was like, okay, wow, I really like animals. I really hate the biology of them and the science of them. So I was like, what am I going to do with my life now? Because I know I don't want to become a veterinarian. And that's where I'd said, I think in my message to y'all, I just went down a YouTube rabbit hole and found all these cool military videos of people and got really inspired by that. And found the closest recruiter and was outside his door when he was unlocking it to meet with him and talk to him about it. And Army did set me on like the path that I needed it to set me on. It gave me direction. It gave me purpose. But then the thing that's funny about the ad is that that helped me even more than I could have ever realized it would have. It made me realize how much of a passion I have for mental health. And uh, so I did quite a bit of mental health advocacy and volunteering for a bit. I worked with a nonprofit as a suicide counselor um, on the weekends for about a year, which was rewarding in the sense that I was able to provide, you know, help to a a minority group that was very much so in need and still is very much so in need. And then it just made me a lot more aware of like, different things even within the the military and veteran community. Probably about three weeks after the ad came out, I ended up hosting my battalion's memorial run. There's not a lot of people in air defense that keep track of air defense history because we're a relatively newer branch. Like you have we're based out of coastal coastal artillery. Um, but obviously like that's not the same. Missiles haven't been, you know, flying overhead for very long so relatively so 
we haven't been as on top of like keeping track of our deaths in our branch, whether that's suicides, KIAs, car crashes, like anything like that. So I ended up spending the better part of like a year researching that kind of stuff and then doing this run with my battalion that we did in Korea and now we've done out here too. And so yeah, it really helped me kind of dig into what I value and what I'm passionate about, even within the army and outside of the army. So did you find um, attitudes towards you within the uh, armed forces changed at all? Um, oh, yeah. Was it, different, was it different in your group as opposed to other ones, as opposed to other branches? How was the reception internally? So that one's an interesting one because I think there's a lot of other factors that kind of come into play. So I ended up picking up corporal because the corporal is now changed to where if you graduate BLC and you've gone to your board and you're promotable, you just get corporal automatically. But I got picked up, I picked up corporal when it was still like a selected thing. I had gotten moved out of my actual MOS job and I was working in the orderly room as the admin NCOIC for my battery. And I was doing really well at it. And it's technically an NCO position. So I got selected for corporal and I promoted with I want to say like 20 months time in service. So that pissed a lot of people in my unit off already. And then, you know how the military is. I mean, if you do something cool, everybody else is like, well, why did she get to do that? Why didn't I get to do that? Like, um, kind of just how life is. Yeah. And then I think a lot of people were mad that I got chosen to like represent air defense when I don't do air defense necessarily on a day to day. I wasn't at the time. And then I thought, you know, okay, I'll PCS and it'll be easier. It'll be better. It's not going to be that, you know, people are not going to know me. I'll have like a fresh start. And I could not have been (laughs) more wrong, partially due to the internet and me having an insanely unique last name. If you see somebody named Malone Lord coming to your battalion and she's all over the news, you're probably going to put two and two together. So that was rough. But then some of the other factors, when I got to my battalion, I got put in another admin position. And on top of being in that admin position, I got assigned as the barracks manager. You don't get a government phone if you're the barracks manager. So they wanted me to give my phone number out and just like post my phone number publicly to my battalion of like 500 people. So I said that I was not comfortable with that. And I was not going to do that. And obviously, like, that's not something you can force somebody to do. The military doesn't pay for your phone. So I said, like, I'd be willing to have a gov phone. It wasn't that I didn't want people, like, I wasn't trying to shame out of the job. It's not that I was like, oh, well, I don't want people contacting me outside of work. It's just that I didn't feel comfortable with everything that was going on with that many people having that much access to me on top of me living in that building, like, five feet away from everyone. So... People were really pissed off about that. That very easily spiraled into a, she's entitled. She thinks that she's Hollywood soldier, you know, and she doesn't have to do anything like the rest of us. And then I just wasn't in a good place mentally. Um, And that's not something a lot of people talk about. If there's a male soldier that has a bad day at home or a bad day at work or whatever, like people are like, yeah, he's kind of being a dick today, but whatever. And then it kind of just goes away. 
I would have days where I would just be so freaking frustrated that it would just come out at whoever was around, which I'm not proud about and I'm not happy about, but it was a thing. And it's a thing for everybody because we're all human. But then that turned into, oh yeah, well, Sarma Lillard's a bitch and I hate her and she's a horrible leader and she doesn't know anything about her job. And, and it just spiraled and spiraled and spiraled until I was like the worst person in the world, pretty much. And that was really rough because obviously at the time that you're hearing all this crap from online, you think, okay, well, at least like this entity of the military is going to support me. And that wasn't necessarily true. Eventually, like the more that I actually talked to people and like interacted to people one-on-one, the amount of times I'd have conversations and still have conversations with people and they're like, wow, you're so nice, actually. Yeah, it's crazy. Have you come at somebody sideways when they're having a bad day? They're probably not going to be that nice to you. But if you just try to open up to them and understand them and there's like this mutual understanding of just we're both human beings, they're probably going to be a little bit different. So yeah, a lot of animosity within the air defense community specifically. Again, there's those onesies and twosies that were from the very beginning just super supportive of me, which I was grateful for because I don't think I really would have survived those first couple of months in Japan if it wasn't for them. Outside of the military or like in other branches, it doesn't really come up. The funny thing for me has been watching my husband's friends learn about it who are also all military and army and they've all seen the ad and they all know that I'm Emma with two moms but they don't know I'm that Emma with two moms and he never has like come out and straight up said you know like oh yeah that's Emma but it'll be like in different random settings where like one of them will kind of piece it together and bring it up and he'll be like yeah and then another one of them will kind of figure it out and he'll be like yeah so they're slowly all figuring it out and uh it's actually kind of funny because I think the the group that was so mad about it were like the ultra military types saying you know that it was a disgrace to the service and that I'm not like tough enough or whatever and here's my special forces husband and his team that pretty much all are like if anything if anybody ever says anything to Emma (laughs) we'll go after them (laughs) and like I've been super sweet about it and super supportive and I don't know I mean even I'll admit like it is kind of cheesy but that's the idea of it. Like the ad wasn't meant to be this like rootin' tootin', like the same, it's not meant to be the same vibe as the Russian one. Like there's I was, I was going to say, don't they, don't they, don't they always compare it to the Russian one with all yeah. That was in the Ted Cruz thing that we just tweeted. I, I just kind of wanted to ask, I know you've touched on it a little bit already throughout our conversation, but um. Was there anything from kind of like the military PR higher ups who were like, hey, listen, this is how you should handle this. This is like the the procedure for for any sort of, I don't know, hate comments or comments you might get on the job, et cetera. Or were they just kind of like, eh, we'll leave her to her own devices. Oh, yeah. So a little bit of both. So on the one hand, any public comments were very much so tailored, which was, I mean, obviously frustrating. I am a really big extrovert and a talker. So kind of having to just sit back and let other people talk for me was rough. Um, But I understood why, because at the end of the day, I was, I am not was, I still am a soldier first. And so like the idea that that needed to be perpetuated instead of like Emma as an individual So when it came to like Senator Cruz's comments, like there was a lot of like task and purpose, did a story on it. Um, 
the comments that were given to task and purpose were given by AEMO on my behalf. I definitely like, I got to review everything. It's not like somebody was writing like, she's so grateful for everybody and everything and blah, 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 blah. It wasn't like, we're just going to say that. Sure. That's probably what she's feeling. Like I got to read over everything. I got to say like, oh, I'm not comfortable with this wording or can you tweak this to this? Other than that, like if it wasn't an official outlet, I was kind of allowed to do what I wanted. Um, I was told don't interact with comments just because there was too many of them for me to really ever do anything in that realm anyways. And it was just going to hurt me more than anything. But then like my social media, I still controlled and was allowed to do whatever with because, you know, that's my own time. Um, yeah, a lot of people don't realize that. Like they think that like all these TikTok girls are like, a super secret psyop, but they're really oh, just the trying to get their girl. own followers. Oh my gosh. I see her all the time. No, yeah. Yeah. You get to control your own social media. So the only thing that I kind of got hemmed up for was that after Senator Cruz had said his whole thing, I like retweeted a meme that somebody had made on my behalf. And it was the lady pointing and she's like holding Kevin Hart like a baby. And she's like yelling at somebody. And it says, you know, like, Ted Cruz is the lady she's yelling at. And then me, the lady was uh, the whole army. And then Kevin Hart was a corporal just trying to do her job. <laughs> yep, that one. <laughs> so uh, I retweeted that. And I said, I just said, like, I was really appreciative for everybody's support. Um, and, you know, that was that. And I remember in the comments, you know, people were saying stuff that was a little bit more vulgar. And I remember being sent a screenshot of a Facebook post from one of the army marketing guys. And it was some random ass lieutenant stationed in Georgia that had gone onto Facebook complaining about how I was violating, I don't even remember the AR but like contempt against an elected official and saying that like, what was I being investigated or like who was going to like get me in check for my behavior or that I was meme. going off the rails. What a Karen. For <laughs> a meme. That's hilarious. People, to, my, to, I mean, to my defense, Kate, we're like, are you kidding me? Like, what about when an elected official is contempted against you and your entire family? Like, really, this is the realm we're going with instead of no, being supportive of soldiers? Is like, do you think that he damaged the reputation of the military? I don't know. I think that the more conservative side of the political spectrum has slowly started to move away from supporting the military and supporting they veterans. all support russia even ted cruz in that tweet <laughs> was saying that russia was better they're they're all russian shills now it's... but that's the thing is, is is this is what we do as like information warfare putin has been invested in turning the conservative and just the fringe in general towards him for a long time and and really did a lot of favors for him too. Like the libertarians got hit pretty hard recently, especially with that um uh that anti war rally that they had in DC that was just full of Russian shills and yeah anti war like, is just like a Russian ridiculous. shill company. It's a it's a like they, they it's like you call yourself anti war. It's like calling yourself like Global Times or something like that. You know, like it's like shut up, Global Times, fucking Chinese communist paper. But it is it is these exact people who 
are always behind these sort of things. That's that's the the really interesting thing that all these yeah. all these sort of outrage campaigns and they talk about cancel culture all the time, but they're the ones that are really complaining and whinging and moaning and crying about all of this stuff. And at the yeah. end of the day, why? That's the question that I keep asking people. I'm like, why are you angry? Because. Like, what what's <laughs> what are you angry about here? What, yeah, I think why, that was why like a. You know a I mean? weird thing too because i was constantly getting told like oh a lot of the stuff that you're gonna see is just bots and i was like cool but not every tom dick and sally that's commenting on whatever the bot posted is also a bot and like i understand that we're gonna just kind of push this out of sight out of mind because so i mean the question you guys had asked earlier was like how was i able to respond to everything and this kind of relates to that the army understandably needed to distance themselves from everything that was happening because that would have damaged them if they had continued to sit there and continued to argue online continued to try to like create fights with politicians yeah they cried about the, them turning off comments saying it's free speech yeah. and the army turned off comments what is this country coming to so that would have been just bad because it just would have allowed there to be a space for dissonance the frustrating part for me and my family was that in doing so the real person and the real people behind the ad were also put out of sight out of mind and so it was wild to us how quickly we had gone from you know everybody in the world in the army checking in on us and seeing how we were doing and you know, wanting to talk to us about our experience and all that to that got taken down. Like there was a whole sub part of the Go Army page where like if you typed in goarmy.com slash calling, you could like find all of our information because they had whole web pages dedicated to us, to our storylines that had like other animation in it and everything. And that got deleted. I have no idea when because we weren't told anything. And that's where I struggle because on the one hand, I recognize that I am not the marketing head of the army and that I am still just a random E5 in Japan. <laughs> but the army had taken so much of my personal life and just put it out there that to then not recognize me as a person and only as a soldier was rough because again because i'd only been in for by the time the ad came out two and a half years maybe three years i was sitting down with three-star generals even just colonels and having them you know ask me like how are you doing are you okay what can we do for you and if you're some random corporal that's meeting a three-star general for the first time, you're not going to like choose that exact moment to break down crying and be like, everything's horrible. I'm having a really hard time. Like, why is this happening? My parents don't think they're safe. I don't feel like I'm safe. Like, you're just not going to do that. So anytime I went into a meeting like that, like I was in uniform, I was in my like military persona. I was, you know, I'm fine. Yeah, no, I'm fine. I'm pushing it off. I'm, you know, I'm tough. I'm good. And then it would be when I would call like my friends at night and my family that I'd be like, how am I supposed to survive this? Like, I can't 
figure out how to connect like the me that can ask for stuff with the me that's actually dealing with it. Because a lot of the attacks were extremely personal and they were on personal platforms, you know, like, yeah, some people were just commenting on the Go Army um, YouTube page, but it didn't take long for them to just find my Instagram and then start tearing me apart on there and sending me, you know, direct messages and stuff like that. So trying to find that like connection was really tough because I knew I needed to support the Army's plan for it all and to move past it and to get it out of sight, out of mind. But at the same time, I was like, hey, you kind of like left me to pick up all the, the pieces of this. Was there a, a time frame that this ad campaign was going to run for? Was that like something that they'd gone over with you? So I think it was supposed to be, I want to say at least for the full quarter, because they had talked about doing stuff for AUSA, which happens in October. And it came out in May. So I mean, maybe two quarters. I don't really know. There was never yet like a defined timeline of like, this is going to be what we do. But I know that there had been a lot invested into it. Because I know that DDB is the company that like actually did the campaign itself. And they're still working with the army to do other ad campaigns. Like the What's Your Warrior was theirs. And then I'm pretty sure the revamp of Be All You Can Be is theirs too. But that contract that they won with the army was like billions of dollars to do all their ad revenue. So it was a pretty dedicated process that I would assume they wanted to run for longer than just a couple of months and, you know, have centered on for a couple of months. Because we also did a ton of PR, a ton. We did radio interviews. We had more interviews scheduled than we ended up doing because of what ended up happening. Um, so, I mean, it definitely did get cut short. I just can't really tell you like how short because we didn't really know how long it was supposed to go. Yeah, I just kind of wanted to ask, now that you've kind of detailed this whole experience with the backlash and whatnot, and you've kind of gone into detail about how the ad was produced and the questions they were asking you and whatnot, would you ever want to see the Army experiment with this I guess you could say type of ad again, or do you just think the, the back, I mean, I know it's a loaded question, or do you just think like the backlash and the implications of making an ad like that are just too much to really try again for another couple decades? I think they could do it again if they put in place different parameters. Using the full name of like somebody's actual full name, probably not the best decision. <laughs> Originally the script had my mom's full names in them too, which I had said I wasn't comfortable with. Good, good job. <laughs> um, That's a really good goal. Yeah, and that was just a total spur of the moment. Like, I don't really know if we should have that in there. And they were like, oh yeah, no worries. Like it wasn't a big deal to them to cut that out at all. But I mean, the whole idea that the army had come up with that we were getting pulled into was real soldiers real stories and so there wasn't room for anybody to be like hey like why are we using our actual identifiable information <laughs> and that has even made me realize like how often the products that you see within the dod and then as pr for the dod 
use real soldiers just in their uniforms, no changes. Like, Why hire a professional actor? (laughs) When you just can... (laughs) Oh yeah, because everybody said, "Well, you made a ton of money Did off this." They pay this. you extra. No, or I didn't. Yeah, <laughs> see, they're cheap. I got to go. I got yeah. to go home for free. That's it. But yeah, like we just we'll pull people into a studio and do this like little photo shoot with them, and then we're like, "Cool, that's gonna be the you know the banner for thanks for your service." Or, yeah, like <laughs> which for those kinds of things, you know, it's not as bad because I don't think anybody's like logging on to their email and looking at like the name of the MP that's the dog handler and being like, who is he? I want to know. I'm the person who does that kind of shit. I look in like, we're, we're doing a story right now about uh, Gulf War syndrome. And I'm mm-hmm. like, you got to look at the comments. The comments are actual people suffering with it. This is how you get human intelligence, dude. <laughs> so, I mean, like, yeah, they wanted to do it again. I think just being a lot more protective of information. And then the one thing that I kind of realized too is the ad does like a lot of the before and not a lot of the after, which I think was the one thing that people who weren't upset about the moms thing were upset about was that, okay, cool. Like she has two moms, whatever. That's great. Include that for the diversity grab. But then like, how did the army make her life better? So adding more of that, I think would be beneficial. Well, you were so new, you know, what would they even pick from at that point? (laughs) That is is a a pretty interesting point to bring up because I feel like that would maybe have tempered some of that sort of... Definitely. Let's be real here. They were angry that uh, you have two mums. That, yeah, that, yeah that's I what they were angry cut all the mom stuff except for the fact that you had two moms like the you were fighting for freedom mm. your whole life you were a sorority girl that didn't want to be a stereotype and then they went into your service and stuff i actually showed you shooting the missiles off though you, you're doing yeah you're shooting <laughs> missiles off anytime soon do you press any buttons i think they also showed you in the middle east too if i yeah. remember so there's definitely parts of it that are <laughs> a little drawn out. Like the the whole video that I saw from you guys, the guy like calls out my mom's and like, why do you make them look so stereotypical? And I laugh so hard. Anytime I read a comment like that or saw a video of somebody reviewing it, they always point out how stereotypical my mom's look. That is what my mom's look like. <laughs> We sent in so many pictures of me and them at so many different ages of when my moms got married, when they first met, when they had me, when Barb got paralyzed, when I joined the army, like throughout all these different times. And then the animators looked at those and drew the pictures. So I'm like, really, all you're doing is saying that my moms look like stereotypical lesbians, but like the army didn't do that. (laughs) People don't realize that these are real people. That's the, oh yeah. yeah. It's it's but that even... screen block. It's it's that that disconnection that the internet gives people. But just a note on this: like when I was looking at the ad and you look at the comments and the reviews, a lot of people are acting like don't seem to literally don't seem to realize it's an actual scenario. They're acting like they're giving an example. Yeah. <laughs> they're like, oh, there's this lady with two moms, for example, and it's like, no, that's that's like a person. <laughs> Yeah, there's just there's some parts of it that are weird because the other comment then that happened a lot was why they make her look like such a stereotypical sorority girl. They whitewashed her in the sense of like making me even whiter than I already am by giving me like super blonde hair in the animated version because then people were like, look at her at the end. She's got brown hair and brown eyes. And I'm like, 
we were in such a dark lit studio to make that end part look so intense. And I have so much hair gel in my hair to make sure that there's no flyaways. I am blonde. <laughs> like, or at the time that I was like, really, that's what you're going to be mad about is that they made me look too sorority girl or whatever. It's very um, nitpicky. And oh, it's yeah, just, super, it's just anger. Nitpicky. It's just being angry for being angry's sake. Oh yeah. And that's all it ever um, is. <laughs> but then like, yeah, the exaggerations of like shooting off missiles, people will be like, that's not your job. And I'm like, yeah, I, I know that's not my job. Like I don't work around missiles. Like if you're talking about working around missiles, that's a 14 tango. If you're talking about firing off missiles, that's a 14 echo. Like that's not my job at all, but I still work in the same unit. So that was the idea that they're trying to convey. Like, do you really want somebody just sitting in the back of a Humvee, like staring at a computer screen? Like, does that seem like good? It's very <laughs> anticlimactic. Exactly. Are you still in contact with the other six people, was it? That, There's four um, others besides me. Four, okay. And then the two um, reserves. Yeah. So yeah. because all of us ended up being able to work with getting flown out, we never even figured out who the two reserve people were because it's pretty much as soon as they got us all out there, they were like, cool, that's it. We follow all of each other on Instagram. One of them just got married super recently. The other or two of the others just picked up captain Ricky, actually, who was like the one ad most people weren't mad at. He was the Haitian immigrant who um, did ROTC uh, or JROTC, and then decided to join from there. He's super popular on TikTok, which is hilarious. So he randomly popped up on my For You page a couple months ago. I was like, oh my God, no way, it's Ricky. And I messaged him and I was like, hey, what's up, sir? Like, cool to see you around here. Like, I'm glad you're doing good things or whatever. He was such a sweetheart. He was like, hey, man, I've been wanting to reach out to you. Like, I'm sorry that I, you know, never did at first, but like stay strong <laughs> so we've stayed in contact a, so, a little bit but i wanted to ask a little bit about your job um you look at like a uh, north korean missiles shooting at japan and stuff like that <laughs> so um the whole system is made up like i said of the three different mos's that are patriot focused and we the thing that people get confused with patriot is that because we're missiles that we're blowing places up like locations on the ground and they don't understand that it specifically has to be something that is in the air. So we do defense and deterrence. Basically a big part of Patriot is just existing. So that way Which, by people the way, don't want to. <laughs> people, people could know this with a quick Google search. Like that's yeah. the that really pisses me off. <laughs> There was, like, a couple people randomly. You even like, say missile defense system in the ad. Yeah. Because people were like, oh, she's a baby killer. And I'm like, eh, Yeah, no. they're going to say that. Like, <laughs> Quite I, ironically. I know guys that have drone trucks, and people are telling them to kill themselves every day. So Yeah. I was like, quite ironically, this is the uh, probably one of the only explosive-esque jobs where you're not actually killing people <laughs> and still blowing things up. So yeah, it's a lot of just looking at computers and seeing what's up in the sky. And I mean, and even lately with... in the sky, there's been North Korean missiles. Yeah. But so. a lot of the times that's just watching them and being like, okay, they're going over there, you know, like, do you um, just make sure they actually go over there? Do you, do your radar sensors pick up the Chinese doing their 
their goofy shit around Taiwan? Or do you, is that's not really your purview? Yeah, not really it, my no, purview. If you they can't get ask fired... her how, how far her system can detect, man. <laughs> she can't answer that if, question. <laughs> if it's close to us or if it's like firing over the us, then that's something that, you know, all of, all of Japan is going to be monitoring. It's going to be Japanese air defense. It's going to be the Navy in Japan. It's going to be the Air Force. It's going to be, you know, it's going to be everybody. Because there's just so much intelligence reporting on what's going on over there anyways, we're aware of it. But usually, again, because people don't tend to realize like the rank breakdown and structure of the army, I'll go home on leave and all the people say, you know, like, when's World War Three going to happen? <laughs> or like, you, have, you see any missiles from China? And I'm like, first of all, those things are super, super far up in the sky. So even if they went directly overhead, there's no way I'm going to see them. But then also, like, I usually find out what's going on from the news or from my mom's calling me freaked out because they read something on the news. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, we're not... I think people also misinterpret military life um, in the Pacific theater, specifically Korea is a lot higher of an op tempo and there's a lot more going on but like my building in okinawa is next to a chili's and that's where i go eat lunch yeah, most days the, one of like, my favorite memes is that the united states could just deploy a burger king wherever it goes <laughs> <Pretty much. laughs> just load it into like, a plane <laughs> i'm not walking around every single day in my full kit with an m4 being like oh my god i'm ready for war, you know, like yeah. Okinawa is, I'm pretty sure this is based off of observation and nothing scientific, but I'm pretty sure it's where like 99% of military families decide to get pregnant because there are pregnant women everywhere. <laughs> People always joke that, that it's because it's an island, so there's not a whole lot better to do. <laughs> like there's families running around all over the place. There's kids all over the place. We have a Chili's, Arby's, Burger King, Del Taco. We just got an Einstein Brother bagel. We've got... Outback Steakhouse? No, no Outback. No, that interesting. was in Korea. I saw one in, one in Tokyo Korea, but... and I was very surprised because I hadn't been to America yet. And I'm like, I've heard about this place and how <laughs> there's absolutely zero Australian cuisine in this place. <laughs> it's hilarious. <laughs> The rolls are the best thing from Outback. I remember stuffing down so many of those in Korea. I mean, like, we've got Red Lobster off base even. But, like, your day-to-day -day life is normal, you know? Like, I come home and I live literally 50 yards from the ocean. So I come home after work most days and go for a swim or at least go watch the sunset over the water. We've got dogs. We've got a cat. I just get to live a normal life. I just also am in the military. And like, it's it's sometimes... basically an office job. You know, <laughs> you're an office job. You sit at your computer. Yeah. I mean, it is nine to five. I mean, we've got PT in the morning, so it's really six to five if you want to look at it that way. But I think... You also get the gym included, too. Yeah, that's true. Haha, <laughs> free gym. <laughs> I think the thing that I wanted to push out so hard and, like, was hoping would happen was that people would realize that my type of girl or whatever can exist in the military and exist in it successfully. Because um, I remember the things that I was freaking out about when I was first joining. I remember 
starting to move out of my apartment that I was in in college and throwing away half of my closet because I was like, well, I'm not going to have time to wear any of this stuff. So I'll just get rid of it because even if I serve one contract, by the time I'll get out, I'll be 23. Like, I don't, I don't need this stuff. So I'll just get rid of it. And looking back now, I'm like, oh my God, why did I do that? That was such a waste of money. (laughs) But yeah, like I, especially now with some of like the regulation changes, I wear earrings to work. I wear makeup to work. If it's not a day where I'm going to be super sweaty because I don't want to break out either. So I don't have to wear makeup if it's going to cause issues. Um, is, it, is it ever not hot in Okinawa? That's, <laughs> I feel like yeah, it's yeah, pretty true. hot down there. <laughs> it's usually pretty humid. But if I'm in an office and I've got air conditioning, I can survive a little bit better. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I still get to do cool things. I've got, like, a range this week and I still get to do soldiering stuff. But then, like, I can come home and... We, my section, I just kind of break it down by weather, especially right now because it's monsoon season. So I try not to have us in the gym every single day because, I mean, you still have to do cardiovascular fitness and running and stuff like that because running is still and will always be a humongous part of the Army. Yeah, we'll either work out in the gym, we'll go for a jog. Sometimes we get to work out off post, so we'll jog along the ocean seawall that's right out here and so even that's not bad (laughs) because that was another thing I was you know super worried about I was 110 pounds when I joined and that was like when I actually went to MEPS because I was eating pizza and having in and out milkshakes with almost every single meal when I was trying to join because I was three pounds under so my recruiter was like you just got to eat everything in sight Emma eat everything and then don't don't go to the bathroom the morning that you go to MEPS. Don't like take a shower and don't blow dry your hair. Just (laughs) try to get yourself as heavy as possible. And then after they weigh you in, then you're good. But my huge fear was like, how am I going to carry, you know, rucksacks? How am I going to keep up with everybody else physically? I'm pretty small. And I mean, it hasn't been an issue thus far. So people always make the argument of like, how are you going to drag somebody out of the battlefield and my response is always that there's always somebody bigger (laughs) than you like my husband tried to argue that with me once because he's like well how would you like it if like somebody couldn't carry me to safety and I was like Josh no offense you're five eight there's some guys on your team that are six three how are you going to carry them off the battlefield my guy (laughs) and oh it's a a good point (laughs) determination that's how and I'm like exactly (laughs) You know, Ben Laden said the same thing. We'll fight him with our faith. Um, <laughs> so, when you were going, you're always going to gonna get one in, don't you? I know, right? uh, when you were going into recruitment, did you already have an idea of what you wanted to do, or did you think you were going to be like a soldier in the bunker type thing? <laughs> I wanted to do something real basic and just kind of on the sidelines. I looked at being an animal care specialist because that's just what I knew so much about already. But I got told that's like a unicorn job, like one of those ones that is rarely open because nobody wants to leave it because it's so great. I had looked into being a parachute rigger and then I realized that might get a little too just boring doing the same thing day in and day out. I'd looked into doing like 42 alpha, HR stuff, everything under the sun. Um, And then- Just army? 
yeah, just army. I knew, I knew I was going to be tired and miserable in basic training, no matter what branch I did, but I didn't want to be wet, tired and miserable. So it cut out the Navy and the Marine Corps and the Coast Guard. And then I wanted to still be tough. So I didn't do the Air Force. <laughs> Which no it's offense funny. Them, That's, that's I... the same. That's the same sort of joking around they have it um there's a specific name because i was in the air force cadets when i was younger and there was a a specific name that the navy called the air force and i just can't remember it right now the chair force is what we call ours something like that yeah Yeah. it was something like that but something around fairies that's that's all i remember (laughs) i have a i have a friend in the marines who calls the navy uh the ubers like because <laughs> they take the marines where they want to go <laughs> he's, he's like I anytime like we interact with like navy sailors we're like oh the uber driver showed up oh my goodness and it's funny because that kind of camaraderie and stuff like other people will get so offended at i'm like no it's funny it's a joke we all laugh at it yeah. even that's now another, like that's another thing people say is you hear this it's all, all manly things where you'll hear it on oil riggers too they're like oh a woman comes in here we can't talk about her dicks anymore so you know like how is that culture where you are in the military i am probably one of maybe 30 women in my entire unit and i mean there's definitely been a change in culture where there needs to be changes in culture and stuff like um military sexual trauma yeah i saw you have posted about that a few times yeah which is a whole other shenanigan that happened on top of everything else but i Um, just real quick real quick before before i let you go off i just wanted to make sure because we're into the phase where we want to kind of wrap up maybe okay we can keep going on a second one that's just about this topic because we transitioned at an hour it's up to you i'm good i don't have anything going on okay uh okay 